0: Yeah, so I think I'm going to watch the Suns tonight. Uh, I'm a bandwagon Suns fan. Like, I don't follow... Like, I like watching the NBA. And I'm not sure how much NBA you follow. But I don't really watch it closely until the playoffs. And even in the playoffs, for instance, the game starts at 9 p.m. And luckily, it's Saturday. So I'll be able to watch it. But generally, they're starting at, like, 9 o'clock on a Wednesday. And I'm not staying up till midnight to watch a basketball game. I don't care if it's the finals or not. And that's why I like my group of friends is, like, razzing me because I'm not watching the Suns in the finals, and I call myself a Suns fan. I, If I had to pick a team, it would be the Suns because that's what I grew up watching in Arizona. Uh, but, I'll, I mean, I've gone to Wizards games. I've gone to Magic games when I lived in Orlando. Like, I don't really have a strong... Like, if the Wizards or the Magic made it to the finals, I would root for them and say I'm a fan of those those teams too. Uh, so I'm not a true, true Suns fan, but I would love to see them win a, a championship. I I distinctly remember... The '93 Finals team with Barkley and Dan Marley and Danny Ainge, Kevin Danny Johnson. Ainge, like yep. I, and I was the only one rooting for the Bulls because I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, and I've like never lived that down. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of feel so, so like
1: uh, if fan right now. If the, Wizards, if the Wizards made it to the Finals, you'd be a Wizards fan, and when the Bulls played the Suns in the Finals, you were a Bulls fan.
0: Right. I, think I'm I wasn't a trend
1: of how you decide. Right. What
0: that's are. that's because of I don't have a strong predilection towards any NBA team. Uh I'm just saying like I would root for those teams if they made you it. But for I Alabama
1: think, football? I, and...
0: No, I don't. I'm not a front runner. I I don't think you can be a Wizards magic and and Suns fan at all, even if you are a true fan of those three teams and call yourself a front runner. I mean those teams have been awful forever uh so i'm excited to see them in the finals I, I i didn't catch i I caught game one and i haven't watched any other games so i'm gonna watch that tonight uh do you have any do you care about the i know your wife's from uh her family's in michigan that's that's kind of close to milwaukee <laughs> yeah
1: they're not super big into sports though um I, I follow the NBA probably similar to you like i don't have a, a single team i'll kind of follow like storylines headlines um so i like the fact that uh you know, it's not the Lakers in there. I like that it's not like a team that you typically see.
0: Yes, um, this is so this is the best finals in a long time. Just because it's not Golden State, it's not LeBron. It's yeah. two different teams, two young teams. They have likable stars. Yeah, uh, I'm like I'm not gonna be upset if the if the Suns lose and the Bucks wins because I really like Giannis. I think he's one of the best. Like, like just around, yeah. Not only player wise, but he's just one of the nicest dudes in the league. So. It'll be interesting to uh, see who pulls it out, but yeah. So game five tonight, hoping hoping the Suns pull it out. If they a, a three two advantage is a huge, and uh, they have home court advantage. So yeah. We'll see they, how it goes. They were
1: up two nothing, and then for Milwaukee to come back and even the series. Like I mean, kind of the obstacle is true too. Man, if Milwaukee goes down two two nothing, and then takes a three two lead,
0: right? That's huge it, too. We
1: to get that momentum back. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a must win tonight for both sides. And it's the finals. Every game's a must-win. But yeah, it's definitely a huge no team has lost lost on at home yet. So hopefully the Suns can pull it out tonight. But unfortunately, I have to sit here and spend the first half of that game with you on our great podcast, the 1v1 Deep State. I am Jake at the Rake. Put the A as a four on Twitter. It's my co host Thomas Black at Thomas Black under 86 on Twitter. We have a Discord. It's for our gaming podcast, generally, but we have a channel on the called the Deep State Podcast channel, and we have a lot of interesting conversations on there. Wish Thomas would uh, get on there on his phone every once in a while, and uh, I, I, I shout him out and talk crap about him, and he doesn't respond, and it really bugs me. Apply above that. Yeah, that's the problem. You need to <laughs> get when uh, when they go high, we go low. Is that was that the saying? Was that I think that's what Michelle Obama was preaching, right? Yep, and it's changed my life ever since, so. <laughs> uh, like we said, this is the Deep State Podcast, and this is episode number four, and tonight we're going to be talking about some <sighs> bombshells, I guess? It's huge sea change in college football, well, college sports in general, not just college football, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's the NIL. If you haven't heard about it, we'll be discussing it tonight. Uh, both of us are, well, you're you're a bigger college football fan. You're wearing your Gators t-shirt tonight. I love football in general, and I like watching the best college football teams play with each other, play against each other. I unfortunately went to a school that doesn't have a great tradition at football. So I don't. I root for them, don't get me wrong, but I'm not following every game like I'm sure diehards are. I went to the University of South Florida, and we haven't been good at football in a while. But we are trending up, so that's exciting.
1: You guys play Florida this year, actually. Yeah, I I just
0: saw that Florida uh, signed a home and home and home and home
1: a two for one, two for one
0: with uh, UCF, right?
1: Yeah, which is kind yeah it's kind of funny because their AD um, wouldn't do two for ones when you know Danny
0: yeah Danny White was their previous so Tennessee. Yes, I'm from Orlando. All my friends went to UCF. I went to USF, so I hear in our group chats all the time about how UCF is so awesome. Uh, but yeah, Danny White went to Tennessee, stole Josh Heupel, and then UCF the just job. I, just I don't ends know, up he stole Josh Heupel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I I think that we were I, when Josh Heupel got hired there after uh, Frost left to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. My The UCF friends of mine were kind of drinking the Kool-Aid, and I was like, I don't think Heupel's a very good coach. And he came in and basically proved that he wasn't a very good coach. Uh, so, And now he's coaching and not very good. Now, so. now he's failing upwards to Tennessee to a, a Power 5 program in the SEC. And lo and behold, UCF goes out and signs Gus Malzon. So that's a huge deal for them. Uh, but I don't want to talk about UCF. This isn't a UCF podcast. Forget UCF. I <laughs> you know, I don't like Florida any much uh more than I like UCF, but at least you're a fan so we can discuss uh Florida and losing uh their quarterback and star tight end and one of their playmaking wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, how, what what are their out, what are their outlooks this year? It depends on who you ask. So, I'm asking you.
1: So there are a lot of question marks here because, like you said, I mean, I think a receiver, they'll be fine. Kind of the same narrative that we heard, uh, that Florida fans heard, and the Florida football team heard after losing uh, the first wide receiver crop that Dan Mullen coached was, you know, oh, you won't play, replace that production. But then he came in, he had Trayvon Grimes, and he had Kadarius Tony, he had Kyle Pitts, and he replaced that production. Um, so I think offensively they'll be fine. They've got a quarterback that's the highest-ranked quarterback out of high school at least that Molin's ever coached, and he's been in the system for three years. Uh, again, skeptics say he can't throw, but but he's a pretty good runner. And then people who have actually watched him practice say he's good at throwing, too. So, I mean, the offense for Florida was historically good last year as far as, like, program standards. So I think they'll take a step back, but that doesn't mean they'll be bad. Um, it's just that defense really struggled because they were historically bad. So we'll see. But they've got a couple of guys that already signed NIL deals. So uh, we'll see if that makes them hungry for bigger deals or if they're they're content to make some money on the side.
0: Yeah, it's been an interesting conversation around... This is a really wide-ranging topic. So we have, what does it mean for just labor in general? Like, what does that mean? If college athletes can... First of all, prior to the NIL, college athletes couldn't make any money on their names or likenesses or even have like side jobs for the, the best example is there was a kicker for UCF who had a successful like YouTube channel and he got suspended and had to shut down his YouTube channel, which had nothing to do with necessarily the football program. It was just like a day in the life of a college student who happened to be the kicker for UCF and the NCAA made him shut all that down. He wasn't allowed to take any of his ad revenue from YouTube. Uh, and yeah. the 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 counter to that is that he's getting a, an education for free, quote unquote, uh, you know, room and board meals paid for on campus. But what I like to one of the examples I heard to, to counter that counter, this is such a <laughs> a weird way of framing it, is that if you're going to school on a creative writing scholarship, the school's paying for your tuition, giving you room and board for creative writing you can write a book in college and sell it and make money Mm -hmm. and go and tour the country and whatever. How is that any different than a student athlete? Yeah. And that's why I think really, um, to me, that was
1: the biggest argument that I couldn't effectively in my own conscious, I guess, like counter. Right. Um, Like I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, on most things I'm fairly traditional and you have to move me away from the traditional stance. Um, so I'm, I'm more or less like, personally on the, on the fence, on the side of like the fence that says, Hey, you're getting to play like a great game. You're getting all kinds of like, um, things that other students on a scholarship don't get, such as, you know, meal plans and, uh, workout routines and all kinds of like free clothes, all this stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, like you don't get cash to like go on a date every now and then with, right. Right. Like whereas like the guy that's you know there for academics, he can also get a side job at a restaurant or a grocery store, or whatever, and still have some cash to play with. Right. And if the and, and for the most part, all things are equal um, on and the how much the school is supporting that individual. Yes.
0: So, and it's also it's also these kids don't have time to get side quote unquote legal side jobs pre nil. Like playing D1 football is not only a full-time job, but then you also have to do your schoolwork and stay eligible. And I know like not everybody, I don't even want to pretend that like every college athlete's there for the academics, which is a reason why the scholarship part of it is kind of a a (laughs) moot point because we know that they're not necessarily there for the, for the schooling, but the ones that do take it seriously, like I remember uh, like Craig Krenzel was a Ohio state quarterback who was doing like molecular biology as an undergrad. I'm sure that's not easy. Uh, Josh Dobbs, who was the quarterback for Tennessee, who's the Steelers' backup quarterback, was doing like astro—not astrophysics, like aeronautic stuff. Aeronautical engineering, yeah, yeah. Like there, there are people taking legit classes, and that stuff—that's like hours of homework a day on top of practice, on top of conditioning, on top of all that. Like these people don't have time to to make money, even if even if that was allowed. Well, there was a, kind of that point, too. There was a dude from, a gosh, 10, 15 years ago from Florida
1: State who was actually a Rhodes Scholar, um, and he's doing – I legit think he's doing like brain surgery or something now. But Yeah, that was
0: uh, – oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Man, he, he was on the Steelers for a minute before he Gregory decided Rhodes to go. Or like that? Uh, no, what's his name? Dang, that's going to bother me. I know exactly who you're talking about, though. He's yeah. – uh, he Florida, yeah, Florida State cornerback. Now, I'm going to search it because I'm you're, dying. You're need for them, but Myron Roll. That's exactly. Myron my Roll. Yeah, yeah, he was a Rhodes Scholar. And that was one of the things that was actually a knock on him coming out of the draft was that, like, <laughs> this guy doesn't love football. He wants to be a brain surgeon. And it's like, how's that a knock on? So, this guy's obviously really smart. And I mean, Granted, he didn't last in the league super long, only a couple of years. and ended up did becoming a brain surgeon, but that was always a weird thing to me. Like this guy's too smart to play football, and it's like, well, then what does that say about your your sport in general? If this guy's too smart for it, well, one the same thing they hit Trevor
1: Lawrence on, like he said basically, like you know, he does he doesn't need football, like something to that effect of like I'll be okay when I can't play football, and like, well, he doesn't love the game enough, It's like or he has a balanced life and right in- right. A-
0: but that's 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 the that's exactly the perfect counterpoint to talk to about those people. They're like, Oh, well, you know, they're there for an education and then go, blah, blah. It's like these guys, if they're not committed to football and like 100% are going to get passed over Are not going to be, you know, they're going to have character issues, quote unquote. And it's just, it's, it's such a, a dumb, a dumb way to look at it. But yeah, I think, uh, NIL stands for name and image likeness. We've used it a couple of times, uh, a couple this has been going on for well over a decade the, yeah. the, these, these arguments and how to pay players. And let's not pretend that players haven't been getting paid under the table by boosters for as long as college football has been a thing. Uh, we're, we're talking specifically college football, just because it's the biggest money maker for the NCAA and these, these uh, schools, but this applies to college basketball. This applies to female sports, all of it. But we, we just use college football as an example, just because we're, a, we're most familiar with it, and B, it's by far the biggest money maker for yeah. these uh, schools. So, yeah, the – we used to play – I don't know how much you used to play it, but we used to play NCAA football games all the time, and you couldn't have the players' names in there. Just the numbers. The just the numbers and the positions. But the likenesses were actually still in there. Like, if, if – uh, Tim Tebow was, I don't know what his actual measurements are, but like if he's six foot three, 240 pounds, the quarterback from Florida was six foot three, 240 pounds. You know, they like, they didn't, the, the facial modeling wasn't like photorealistic or anything, but I mean, it generally looked like Tim Tebow. And in, in some sense, it wasn't like way off. And uh, that's how they got around it. And and then they added a feature that you could actually uh, download rosters from other players around the world. So people would spend, as soon as the game came out, people would spend, nonstop editing all the players to have their true names in there. And you would just download that roster and you'd have, you'd open it up and Tim Tebow would be the quarterback and you'd have, you know, Percy Harvin and whatever, whoever was actually on the team. Yeah. And that stopped in about 2014, 2000 NCAA 2014 was the last NCAA game to come out. They haven't made one since. And that's because a basketball player sued to get money because they used, it was, uh they used his likeness in the, in A college basketball game, much like they used it in the football game. But he argued, it was Ed O'Banion and he argued that uh, he deserved to get paid. The, the, the weird thing with him was, is he was, he was out of the college basketball. He was out of college period. He is, he was a grown, grown man out of the NCAA system but they used his likeness for like a legends. Like he was like in the game as like a, a legendary player or a, like a best, like, you know, when they do the all-star, like yeah, yeah. you can play as the, the 92 all-time bulls great. or whatever. Yeah. All time. Great. He was in there. So he won the lawsuit and that, and that basically shut down that opened the door for other players to be like, Hey, why aren't we getting paid? So NCAA decided to shut it down completely or not, not NCAA, excuse me. Yeah. The developer of it decided to shut it down completely because they, op- Ed O'Banion opened a can of worms. Right. And so we haven't had a NCAA game, in seven years, and they just now announced that by summer 2023, we'll have a new college football EA game, which is big news for me. I'm not sure how interested you are in it, but it's really fun.
1: Yeah, I'm not a gamer, but like –
0: That's a great game.
1: Whenever that comes out, I'm going to come to your house and become a gamer for about 48 hours. Yeah. Right before college football when you're you're really getting pumped. Yes. Yeah. And I'm
0: gonna be like, I'm
1: gonna be, you know, 15 years old again for about two days.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really fun game. And I always liked Madden Over because the gameplay was better, but the dynasty mode where you recruit and build your teams and rise to the ranks as a one-star school and end up as a six-star school, that is unparalleled. And I know a lot of my friends who aren't necessarily gamers who only liked NCAA the game are have been dying for anything to uh come up so it's good that it's going to be our wait is finally over and luckily this nil as of july 1st the nil nil new rules for the nil for the NCAA came into effect and now we're seeing i just listened to a podcast about a, an agent working with a uh, an app where you go on to this app as a college athlete you enter in all your profile information. So I, I play cornerback for University of Florida. I am a sophomore. Here's my interests. I'm from this town, uh, and it just it's like a it's kind of like a LinkedIn combined with a dating profile type thing. Like they want to know everything about you, right? They want to find ads for you. So then you, you have this profile. It it basically is a dating profile because you, these athletes put their profile up and then companies can go on this app and, and filter by, okay, we want somebody from this hometown who is interested in these things. And, and they set up this basically date, which is commercials or sponsorships. And we're seeing all kinds of stuff. We were just talking about entire offensive lines of like Notre Dame are getting, barbecue scholarships and uh the american top team owner which is a a big mma gym in miami is a huge miami fan sponsored the entire miami football team so he's gonna pay only the scholarship players sorry you're right the anybody on scholarship at university of miami he's going to pay uh money to, to sponsor, like to talk good about American top team, I guess. I, I don't even know if that, I didn't read the stipulations that they actually have to do anything other than be a scholarship player on the, on the team.
1: Yeah. I think it's a business, I mean, it's a business contract, right? It's like, Hey, I'm signing, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay you this amount for this service. Yeah. You know, their service is just to be, maintain a scholarship on, on Miami's football yeah. team. Like, it's crazy. It's like a lot of these, uh, what it's going to turn into if it's not there already, it's going to be like these car dealerships says, Hey, will you drive, you know, this car, I want my sticker to be on the back of it. And I'll give you, you know, five grand a month or, you know, whatever right. the case may be. And that's going to be your job. Just live your life with, you know, this car being what you, you drive most of the time.
0: Yeah. So now that I've kind of set it up and explained it poorly, I'm sure. Uh, how do you feel about it? Do you think it's a it's overall good for for not only the college athletes, but is it good for the schools? Is it good for the country? Uh, do you think this ruins competitive integrity? What are your thoughts on it? No, I don't have a good argument for not liking
1: it, other than I don't like it because it's not the way it's always been done. Um, so ultimately, <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's where I mean, am. Like. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I, I don't think it'll change a lot. Yeah, cause I so I talked to um this is a dude I used to work with and he uh he was a scholarship player at like a Florida Atlantic or Florida International, um and this is before NIL NIL happened it was about two or three years ago, and he was saying like the reality is the players are fine, like they don't have a need for anything. It's their families that sometimes need extra, right? Um, and there are some cases. I mean, like even like all cases may not be like this, but like Disney recently made a movie about a player who's like brother was going to get in the foster care system. So he needed to take him in. And there's a bunch of, uh, of, of NCAA rules that weren't going to let him do that. Um, and like, he couldn't get the help from the community. Like people like couldn't drive his brother to school for him. So he could go to class himself. And so I think, I mean, in some of those situations, I think it'll be helpful. Um, and I don't think it's going to change a lot because like, like I said, I, I just, I think recruiting is a pretty dark um, business, if you will, and and people are getting taken care of in probably ways that aren't legal. And the NCAA is going to turn a check. It is not good for the product for Ohio State and Alabama to be banned for ten years. Yes, um, okay. yeah,
0: the, we saw. So, for people unfamiliar, in the eighties, there's a there's a school called SMU Southern Methodist in uh, Texas. And in the 80s they got the death penalty which meant they were banned from all sports. I don't I don't I don't think it was just college football. It might have been all sports. The program, yeah. I think it was the entire program got banned for 2 years plus like longer stuff, longer than 2 years but they couldn't do any sports for 2 years. It's called the death penalty because it was out of control how much their college athletes were getting paid. Famously Eric Dickerson, their star running back and Hall of Fame running back in the NFL, like showed up to practice her a game in like a gold Cadillac. (laughs) That was like the infamous thing. And uh, so there's always been this dark money. There's always been every couple of years, some big program is getting a smack on the wrist for paying their players or turning a blind eye to boosters, paying their players. And it's been going on forever. And it's one of those things, kind of like you said, everybody knows it's happening. There's not a real good way to deal with it. I think the NIL is it's it's good to get everything. It's good to be transparent. It's good thing get, get everything on the table. The yeah. the that 18 eight, – eight, um American Top Team booster. I wish I knew his name, but the booster guy from a- American Top Team, he was probably paying a lot of those players anyway, <laughs> and now he's legally allowed to do it, and now he just so I don't right
1: off for it. So
0: right, right uh now it's less laundering of money it's less all this other stuff it's less making these you're not making the student athletes criminals they're in a I, they're in a state where they you know they can't not accept money cuz a lot of these guys aren't well off by any means a lot of these guys come from um meager backgrounds uh but it's good that they're not like into the shady relationship right off the bat as a college kid you know it's yeah it not that it changes the morals or ethics a lot, but it's it, it is a little bit, which I like. But I think, kind of, your point, you know, because you, you brought
1: up earlier, like, um, you know, what does this do for the competitive landscape? So, right. for instance, SMU um, got hit in 1987. At the same time, it was pretty well known that Uncle Luke, the rapper, was paying Miami players for being yes. hit for touchdowns. Yeah, Did Miami ever get the death penalty? No, No, because they were a big deal in college football. And even though they were the team that everybody loved to hate, people watched. Right. So I think what this is going to do, it's going to, it's going to let, well, I mean, like Oregon's a good example. They had no like brand and really no relevance in college football until Nike really got involved. Nike Nike got involved and like, Hey, here's how we're going to brand them. And now all of a sudden, this is where student athletes out of high school want to go play football. Right. They've been in the national championship. They have made playoffs before, so I think it makes it possible for smaller schools like like I graduated from Liberty. So I'm like, man, if we can get some rich people graduating from Liberty, maybe we can start paying good players to come here. <laughs> have to like try, and then you're in the same boat, right? UCF, like it's really hard right now, if not impossible.
0: I am not in the UCF
1: to like, but 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 I mean. But, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, well, I know. I know. <laughs> you know it's, it's hard for small schools to like really get to the top because even if you want to play like a, a big school, that big school has nothing to gain. Like if they beat you by 100, they should have. If it's a close game or a loss, well, that sets them back. And the only way you can get bigger recruits to come to you is not just to play in big comp- like games, but to win those games. So hopefully NIL will kind of uh, – make more schools especially smaller schools more competitive because the big schools are going to be fine and i don't think you're going to notice a difference
0: yeah i've seen the doomsday slippery slope thing of like well now alabama and clemson and these big programs are just going to dominate because they that have <laughs> right there, there's no yeah my biggest my biggest counter to that is like they already do dominate you know, and the and Alabama is for sure paying players. Clemson is for sure pl- paying players, and they do stuff in, kind of like they do stuff anyway. Like like you said with Nike and Oregon, Clemson just put in like a multi million dollar practice facility with like a mini golf course inside and like all this stuff for the athletes. Like that's still a benefit that they get that no other student gets. That no, like that's a huge deal when schools like Liberty, schools like USF aren't putting millions and millions of dollars into their football program so yeah i'm I'm definitely on the side of this this is going to this is going to even the landscape for the smaller schools for a different another reason a lot of players go to alabama and sit the bench because they're so good like wide receivers at alabama are ridiculous and they go and sit there for two or three years those same wide receivers might be drawn to a smaller school, who's like, "Come here, get get playing time, get national rec- get nationally recognized attention," and then you're going to have ad dollars pouring in for you, and then you're going to go to the NFL, or you can go sit at Alabama for three years and be an unknown, basically.
1: Well, that's the recruiting pitch, right? Like, I mean, I think even like, you know, so like Florida, I um, and I apologize, I didn't mean to call you UCF alumni, but, but you no, mentioned UCF fine. Everybody, but. Like, Florida was 4-7 and seven before their current coach, Dan Mullen, took over. And a lot of his recruiting pitch to players that he needed to get on his roster that weren't interested was like, just as like you said, go to Alabama and you can sit for two or three years or you can come play for Florida and play right away because the talent's depleted right now. So I think these smaller schools, if you get that NIL you know, pitch going and you're also starting to play in, in more competitive nationally televised games and you play as a freshman sophomore and not as a junior-senior, like that's that's that and expanding the college football playoff is really I think the only way where you're going to start to see smaller schools be able to build something sustainable. As yeah, far and like, I don't.
0: I don't want to just veer too far into the sports discussions. <laughs> I know we want to kind of stick more to the. The NIA. The- the yeah. nil impact but but what i do want to say about that it would about expanding the playoffs it's in, the, in a, it's in their best interest to have as many schools viable for a championship as possible and it's so crazy that for so long they have kind of gatekeeped it to only the top programs like the more people in this country you get to like care about college football the better for everybody it is the better those fans are we're going to come to if usf went and played alabama in alabama there's only going to be a hundred hardcore fans that are going to show up. If USF has a legitimate chance to uh, pack to the playoff, more fans are going to go to Alabama and spend money in the Alabama stadium. They're going to watch it on TV more. That's more ad revenue. There's all kinds of stuff that is a major benefit. If if you get more eyeballs on the product and it's always perplexed me why they've like protected the top programs in the country as much as they have. So Not only the the NIL and the cultural playoff, but yeah, I I would love this to just break everything open, get everything out in the open, air everybody's dirty laundry. Now, now the teams, it's kind of like when we talk about regulations on companies, right? How the big corporations can deal with regulations easier, whereas the smaller guys can't like now that everything's more in the open and they don't have to have these compliance departments worried about these players seeking money on the side and getting their, like you said, a school like SMU, a school like a smaller school like USF, a smaller school like FAU, they're going to get the death penalty before an Alabama does, before a Notre Dame does, before a Clemson, a, a, even a UF. Like yep. those schools are the ones that are in in danger of it for doing the same thing the big programs are. They just they're just not the blue bloods, you know. It's very it's very tightly controlled, so. Yep. Yeah, I'm all for all this stuff breaking through. Um what about reinstating Reggie Bush? his Heisman. What about like reinstating all those Ohio state wins that got taken away because of the trading jerseys for tattoos?
1: Yeah. So, so so my thing with that would be the rules were in place when you were there and you broke them. So just because the rules have since changed does, doesn't mean that uh, in my opinion, you should be absolved of the punishment for breaking the rules that were in place. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think, like I said, like I, The traditionalist in me wants to say, hey, no, it's all about education and student athlete. But realistically, like this is the more fair way to do it, the equitable way to do it for for students. So I'm I'm in agreement with it from that standpoint, but it wasn't the way it was then. So like the Ohio State went a little bit different to to some degree, just because like they sold, I think, their jerseys for tattoos. And so.
0: But. I, I wouldn't. I don't I wouldn't care if either of them got reinstated. I'm definitely more on the side of the Ohio State players for sure. Those are their they were their jerseys. That's their property. They weren't like stealing school property to do it. Yeah. Uh I don't care if they gave Game Warren jerseys away for tattoos. Uh that's entirely fine with me. The Reggie Bush one, he was getting a lot more improper benefit than just a tattoo. Uh so it's it's a little bit. Uh, more of a gray area for me, but I wouldn't mind them seeing him get his Heisman reinstated because it's much like, it's much like marijuana, right? Like when marijuana is legalized and they expunge everybody's drug records, even though it was illegal, then we've come as a society, we've, we've come to the conclusion that marijuana is not as harmful or dangerous as, as I'm going to say we thought it was, even though we, we know that it hasn't been dangerous for a really long time. Uh, but well, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And same thing with like with the college stuff. Like like you said, the Reggie Bush stuff was like they gave him a house for his family. His his family needed a place to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't from that area. They needed a place to live, and that doesn't make him. It wasn't. He wasn't like he was taking performance enhancing drugs. It didn't make him any more electric on the field. He was that good in college. He was the best player in college football by far, undisputed. So reinstating his Heisman for me is not. He he served his punishment by the bad press, but again, he just went to the he just went to the pros, and like Pete Carroll left as well. Like he didn't even sustain any of the punishment. The school sustained the punishment. It's just like it's just kind of a sham punishment to begin with. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Reggie get his Heisman back.
1: Yeah, neither one of them. Like I'm not so adamant on my position for either one. Where I would like it would bother me to any extent. You know, if they did reinstate. Um, but to your point, like Reggie Bush didn't really get in that. I mean, I think losing the Heisman probably hurts him. Like that, that's a that's a pretty exclusive uh, fraternity there that he's now not a part of. Yeah, um, Pete Carroll, who probably benefited most out of all yes. of that, had nothing happen. All that happened was all those players that were on that team after that couldn't go to bowl games. Their team, yeah, wasn't yeah. like so, like they punished people who had nothing to do with it, and that was silly. But. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I say, I I think I would still lean more on the side of like the rules were in place and and you, you know, you don't get to just say, well, I think it's a dumb rule. So I'm going to break it and hope I don't get caught. But Like you said, like, this is my stuff. Like, so I can frame it and put it on my wall, but I can't give it to somebody and then happen to give me a tattoo. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. that, Like do whatever you want with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that's, that's one of the examples of like how ridiculous this stuff was before the NIL laws were coming into effect is like, you couldn't give away your own property to get a benefit in return. Uh, So I'm, I'm glad that that's behind us. I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I do see like, if we were going to play devil's advocate or at least be real about the downsides of it, like, what do you see? Well, what, like what's worst case scenario or what's like most likely to happen as that's going to be a negative as a consequence of all this.
1: Um, you know, so one common argue, argument here is like, Oh, well, you know, it's going to divide the locker room. And I don't, I don't buy that one as much because like, let's face it, quarterbacks were always seen as more yeah. important than the yeah. offensive line. The
0: star, the star athletes. I mean, I don't want to, uh, get too far into this but uf under urban meyer was known to favor the star athletes that you could do no wrong aaron hernandez was a big uh example of that he was a huge problem in college and got into a lot of trouble and urban meyer swept it under the rub because he was a star that's how it is yes (laughs) he uh uh a lot of schools are like that a lot of pro teams are like that the stars get away with more than the bottom of the roster guys so i don't i agree with you i don't know how that really divides the bottom of the divides, the locker room or anything. Uh, I I
1: was
0: just gonna say, if anything, like when these people go out, you know, when the, when the wide receivers go out, you know, the ones making all this money off the NIL are going to be buying rounds for everybody, not just themselves. I would imagine that's kind of how it goes. Yeah.
1: I I think the only thing that could actually happen, like, and, and if you're not a big fan of college football, you may not notice this as much, but like, College football is very distinct from the NFL, mainly because of its tradition. Like, this program has a long history of doing these things these ways. And I think what NIL, in addition to the transfer portal, transfer portal could do is almost make it where you have these free agents who go yes. you know, someplace, then they get paid more to leave someplace else, and they get disgruntled about the team or whatnot. And I think that does start to kind of break away Um from the tradition and from the, you know, the, the aspect of, this is my school. Um, I'm here for my school. Um, And then you kind of start to lose some stories like Kyle Trask, for instance, who was a career backup at Florida, but because he stuck it out. And and because, you know, the misfortune that happened to the starting quarterback Felipe Franks when he broke his ankle, that was one of the biggest stories um, for, for 2020 college football was how this, you know, Heisman candidate, Backed up, everybody in high school somehow got a scholarship to Florida. Which is back up there, and now is lighting the world on fire with um, with Florida as they are pushing for a playoff spot. Yeah. So I think you won't hear some of those stories, and I think it could take away the significance of like you know one school versus another when you have players transferring from a rival to a rival. Yeah. Um, the same way I think, like older NFL fans would say, free agency, you know, really hurt yeah. the NFL.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we
1: have that risk, and that would be my only concern that I think is valid, and we've seen. Yeah, it
0: as well. I can definitely see that, and I know you're not taking a strong stance on it. But my counter to that would be like this would go back to like just strict kind of the politics of it. You're the laborer; the laborer should be able to choose who his employer is. No you know, yeah, yeah. basically no matter what. So I again, I'm not trying to. I'm just going to argue that that the point you made, not argue against you because I know you're not super. I asked you to do this basically to take that stance uh, yeah i think I think that like i'm I'm really happy that the transfer portal and the n i l rules are kind of going together and I do think that there's going to be some of that that recruiting that recruiting from universities based on we can get you more money we can or 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 the abstract of we can get you more playing time which equals more money yeah um I think if it's really the big dichotomy between players and coaches, the people on the field doing the quote unquote work versus the coaches who are, don't get me wrong, also do work, but they're not putting their health on the line. They're not putting their brain, their brain health on the line. Uh, every Saturday, the coaches get paid millions of dollars can go anywhere they want. They can, they can get fired and still have to be paid and then go get another job and get double paid. We see it all the time. Yeah. They're, Coach the, the highest paid government employee in almost every state is the head football coach. So when you have that system in place, but then the people on the field putting their health on the line can't choose where they want to go. Uh even if it is just strictly a monetary opportunity, you know, that that really rubs me the wrong way. So I'm I'm happy that these players are allowed to to have more say in the system. For every Kyle Trask, there's a Joe Burrow who transferred out of Ohio state to go get playing time at LSU and turned into a huge star in one year. There's Justin Fields who left Georgia to go play at Ohio state who became a star just got drafted. And if let's say, let's say Kyle Trask stuck it out there and McElwain stayed the coach and couldn't develop him. And he was just bad. Like the, the fact that he stayed probably hurt it would hurt him in that situation. Whereas his coach got fired and he got, he got a new coach in Mullins who actually could unlock his potential. Uh, And obviously this is a hypothetical because we don't really know, but I mean, McIlwain wasn't necessarily a beloved coach from my understanding of it.
1: Uh, That would be the nicest way anybody ever talking about McElwain's relationship (laughs) has ever put it. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. Here's what I think would solve a lot of it. If you basically said, like, listen, you get one transfer and that's it. Because,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Hey, yeah. let's just say I'm a five star quarterback or a four star quarterback. For those who aren't familiar, like uh, recruits are usually ranked by a number of stars, five star being the best, no star, I guess, being the worst.
0: Yes. Um, and
1: if you're a four or five star, you're called a blue chip prospect. So let's say that, like, you grow up in Alabama, your dream has always been to go to Alabama, and You're a senior in high school and the last recruiting cycle, they just signed a five-star quarterback, but they're interested in you because every program needs depth and you always want to be developing players. So I want there to be a system to where the guy says, listen, I know it might be a long shot and I don't want to like sit the bench for four years, but I want to go to Alabama. I want to compete with this guy and see if I can win the starting job. And if I can't, I want one, at least one chance to reconsider this. So, at 18 years old, I don't have to make a decision that like I have to live with for the next four or five years, mm-hmm. as I don't play, even yeah. though I'm good enough to play. Like, I, I think it, for the competitor like who wants to kind of uh, be as aggressive as possible and pushing his competitive limits without risking never playing or never seeing the field, I think one transfer per um, undergrad would probably be the way to go, and that that prevents this free agency like system. From taking place where you can transfer as often as you want. Um, Cause right now the only rule is if you transfer, um, you have to sit out a year. Yeah. I think it should be one and done until you uh, try to do a, a graduate transfer. After graduate transfer. Off. Yeah. I
0: think, I think you should be able to have both. I agree with you, but somebody who like kind of that, I'm glad you brought up Alabama. Jalen hurts was the quarterback for Alabama and then Tua came in and took his job and by all by all accounts Hertz was a, a consummate professional and a great teammate helped him as much as he could and he had to wait until he graduated to transfer to Oklahoma where he had his best statistical year was that running for the Heisman ended up getting drafted in the second round of the NFL draft which is like if you would have seen him play at Alabama you never would have guessed that for him like he was a he was he was a good Running quarterback, game manager type quarterback, but never putting up the numbers he did at Oklahoma. He should have been allowed to transfer free to Oklahoma earlier, and he would have, he he could have been a potentially a first round quarterback at that point. Like he he lost money based on these rules. But see, yeah, I, I think he could have, but he would have had to sit out one year. Right, he had to sit out. That's, that's out, what I'm saying. You, you need the free yeah. transfer. Yeah. Uh, and instead he graduated I, I love the I love the incentive to graduate and you get One more year of eligibility to play uh, I love that incentive I think that's a great Incentive for guys to finish their degrees because A lot of them don't but I think that needs to be in addition To that one free transfer that I'm not Gonna I, I, it's not for me to judge That if a, if a superstar or Somebody who believes in themselves enough To want to go play somewhere else But isn't necessarily Focusing on their education Now right now I, I don't I don't hold that against them if they want to go transfer and try to get drafted as high as possible and make as much money as they can. Football's a brutal sport. You got to make as much money as you can while you can because uh, you never know when the next hit's going to take you out. So I have no problem with that, but I do like keeping yep. in that graduate tr- – like that's a plus one on the graduate transfer thing because that, that sh- you should incentivize it. Even if it's not for everybody, it should be an incentive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that would be better because I think it's going to get – I, I think the, the what makes college football special, it's going to be lost if, like, you know, a player transfers from Florida to Georgia, and then we get a Georgia player back to Florida. Then it's just kind of like like Jerry Fein- Seinfeld like said in the 80s and 90s, you know, you're just going for laundry at this point. Like, you don't have players on your team. You have a player on your team for right now that might go someplace else next year because – you know, some of it could be like just a, a character that needs to be developed, where he's just not wanting to work hard or couldn't take a, a hard coaching. And then some of it's going to be, I just really want to play, and I'm not going to play here for whatever reason. So,
0: yeah, for sure, I think that, I
1: think that'd be the best way to make make sure that NIL doesn't make college football a sport of uh, free agents.
0: And so. to get away from college football for a second, one of the things I listened to this week on the podcast about this um it was really interesting to hear from the agent's perspective i didn't like some of the uh, fluffy language he was using he made it sound like there's no downside i, I guarantee there's a downside mm-hmm. uh he was he was a full of platitudes about this just being the best thing in the world which i think it is i think it is the best thing in the world for college athletes but i think it's going there's going to still be a lot of people who are out there that want to take advantage of them uh what he was saying though was that that we think of like these mega star college athletes being football players, basketball players, whatever. He said, one of the highest earning contracts that they, like that they put out in his company was for these, this, um, these sisters who I believe played basketball or maybe volleyball. I wish I, I wish I remembered. I should have wrote it down, but they're like these sisters and they're just like super good at TikTok. They've like, they're like all over social media and have a huge following on TikTok And, because of that they were able to get them one of the best deals out of any of their athletes that they currently represent and i think that opens up a lot like it's not just your your athletic ability it's also your ability to market yourself which i think is a super valuable tool for the rest of your life period so i think that's that's also like again that ucf mm-hmm. kicker with the with the youtube channel that guy knows how to market himself he had a really su- significant following on youtube outside like nobody cares about the yep. kicker of a of a g5 school like he was he was able to make a following outside of that so i think that that that's another benefit of the nil is, is finding all these new personalities and how they're going to and giving them the opportunity to make money based on not not their athletic ability just about marketing and being likable
1: yeah and that, that was another big argument like kind of along those same lines i've heard in favor of this is like it's teaching kids how to negotiate it's teaching them you know the laws of supply and demand and how much you really are worth and you know Things of that nature, because like if you mess up a, a marketing deal, you know, at 19, especially when you've got all your basic needs met um, through the college uh, scholarship structure, it's really not that big a deal. Lesson learned, right? Yeah. But if you mess up like for your first job interview that's away from sports and you, you need to right. make it to the NFL, for instance, like that's a little bit <laughs> that's a little bit bigger deal. So you've if you've already got four or five like different tries basically of negotiation and understanding, you know, what's realistic. I think that makes you a lot better equipped to have that conversation.
0: It's, it's pretty um, infamous about how a lot of the football players take like communication as their major or sports medicine as their major. I'm curious if this is going to see, we're going to see an increase in business. If a lot of these guys are going to start taking business uh, majors instead of these, uh, you know auto a classes where they barely show up and do anything because i think i think it'd be i think the smart ones will And again it's not we're not talking about like the the superstars on the team like i think a lot of these depth players who want to market themselves would would do well to uh get some business uh some business uh training
1: and it might be the way that like helps them realize they have an interest in business right it's like oh this is kind of fun this negotiation this back and forth like I really enjoy it. I can actually be pretty good at it. So now let me, you know, like I say, get this business degree and, and you know, who knows where that takes them, you know, but. And uh, again, it's,
0: it's a lot of like, they can also get OJT, right? They're allowed to go out and like, learn with these, like, say the, say stu- something stupid is the, the O-lines getting um, sponsored by the local barbecue companies, right? Like those guys could absolutely go and, and work with those barbecue companies and see what like how it is to run a business because maybe these o-line men like to cook and they want to open up their own restaurants sometime like i think it opens up a lot of opportunities for them to just do other stuff outside of of their particular sport and i think that's absolutely what we should be doing for these college athletes in general because again we know that not everybody makes it to the pros and even when they make to the pros a significant portion of pro players go broke shortly after their careers end and we need like starting young and exactly like you're saying like being able to fail now and making learning from it and growing from it now is way easier to do than being a 28 year old out of out of your perspective sport, respective sport, and being broke.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, so I think it'll it'll and has the potential at least to enhance the education experience of the, the you know that that young athletes would have. Um, that I think in a lot of ways young college students on other scholarships already had like yeah. the guy who's there for an, a- an academic scholarship, who's studying medicine, you know, from the time he's nineteen twenty, he's going, getting up at 5.00 AM to go watch a surgery, you know, and he's getting to talk to doctors and stuff like that. So like you said, if, if I'm this O-lineman and I'm sponsored by the local barbecue place, I'll just start talking to the guy that's giving me a deal about franchising, what it took right. to start up, you know, yeah. he would recommend all this stuff. So I think, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to drastically, if it drastically changes the competitive landscape, I think it'll be for the better because yes. it gives everybody, uh, it increases parity or at least offers the potential to, um, and and gives a better pathway for small schools to compete. Right.
0: It, it's it's a moot point now because NIL is basically passed well, and we're, are, yeah. we're not. There's no going back from here. But the argument that like it makes the the top schools better because they have they can offer more than the smaller schools It's like okay then what changes nothing nothing changes changes. there's no difference then so like i never understood that argument people were throwing out um i'm trying to i'm racking my brain to like think of downsides because i've got a really rosy look about this uh again i'm i'm more left-leaning i'm all about unions i'm all about workers rights so (laughs) for me all this is sunshine and rainbows but i guess i could see like putting putting significant amounts of money into 18 19 20 year olds pockets could lead to more trouble right more more alcohol related incidences more getting busted with drugs or failing drug tests yeah uh, that sort would, of thing
1: but I think in that same vein you could almost argue putting that much fame on a 19 20 21 year old
0: cushion. sure but we're sure but we're talking about we're talking about like smaller schools being able to like those players being able to get paid too where they're not necessarily having a ton of fame uh i mean i guess they have local fame right like right it's all relative but but again like all those kids in miami now have a pocket full of cash to go be crazy in miami uh i'm not i'm not necessarily what's up no they're all
1: giving to charity
0: (laughs) yeah uh we know i mean you brought up uh the rapper uh luke uncle luke Luke. Uh, i can't think of his actual luke something but, yeah, everybody called him Uncle Loop. Those parties he threw for those players, like the Miami – there's the 30 for 30 on the Miami Hurricanes of the, of that time period was ridiculous. Like, they literally said, oh, yeah, the Miami Hurricanes players were more popular than the Dolphins players. Like, they had yeah. more celebrity. They would go to clubs and walk right by the Dolphins players and get in. Uh, and those, those players were not known for uh, – keeping it clean i guess outside of uh yes uh so i I, that that would be a downside i could see i could see more incidences of kids kids getting in trouble just by being kids and having money in their pocket
1: yeah maybe luther campbell was the guy luther campbell uh, yes but um, yes thank you yeah i I don't know man because like I, i would i would think almost the same way like uh I mean, like take it to high school, if you're in a small town, um, but you play football and the town values football, like, you know, you'll get away with stuff and you'll get away with stuff. I mean, within reason, like local law enforcement, you'll get away with with right. stuff in school. Like, so I, I just think I, I don't know how much money is going to potentially um, have an adverse effect on an athlete more than like. Local fame would, and I think you could almost yeah. argue that, like a famous, you know, player at an Alabama or a Miami or big time school is is going to be a little more mild manner because he doesn't want to mess up his side at the NFL, or a famous player, you know, locally at a smaller school who has a little bit of money in his pocket is more likely to do something crazy with it because he knows that after twenty two, like he's just a normal dude to everybody. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I obviously don't think it's a, a big enough downside to not do it. I just that's one of the downsides that came to me like for instance though like FAU and FIU are both near Miami. They're not nearly as as celebrated or celebrity as the Miami players, right? So like but those kids are still going to get some kind of local deals and have some money in their pocket and they're going to have a good time in Miami as well. Uh I just I hope that that doesn't become I could see that becoming a a talking point of uh detractors of of what the nil is bringing but yeah i think overall man it's it's great it's a it's it's a long time coming it's i've always been again once i once i found out that like me is it like for instance the big the thing zuckerberg right zuckerberg created facebook in college he would if if he would have done that as a football player he would have this the football program would have been in trouble which is just ridiculous like that's It's so ridiculous. So I'm glad that the athletes are being able to do it. They still get to take it. Oh, go for it.
1: Well, I'd say, like, I mean, the the whole purpose of um, the way the old structure was um, was to prevent unfair competitive practices, such as in recruiting, like, you know, we're being in different schools. But that only works if you actually investigate thoroughly and force it to all programs. And when you don't do that, now just open it up and pe- let everybody obviously get paid because you're picking and choosing yes. based off of the government body over the sport, who's good and who's not, and who's allowed to cheat and who's not. SMU, no, right. University of Miami,
0: no. Go for it. <laughs> go for it. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the the analogy of like regulations on mega corporations versus mom and pop shops, I think it's the same. It's like. They can the bigger programs can handle it better. They can hide it better. They have their network of boosters all like even if one booster gets banned from football or whatever, they have dozens lining up waiting to fill that spot. So, yeah, I completely agree with you that the competitive advantage thing, like I understand why that all happened, but the fact that the incidentally was so toothless and going after it, it really negated all of it. so
1: yeah. Uh um, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think the sport will be fine, especially if, if they don't let the transport portal go crazy. Um how
0: how long do you think the effects of this, I mean, again, it just went into effect July 1st. How long do you think the effects of this it'll take to see? Like with all the transferring and with all the trickle down to the smaller schools? Like, are we gonna see are we gonna see it this season? Is it gonna be five seasons? Like what what's your what's your uh, gut feeling on how long the impact will be to, to, to see?
1: I would say I would say like the three to five year range. I mean, I think basically yeah. once you have like so you have this recruiting class, for instance, the class of what would I guess it'd be twenty twenty two recruiting class, they're coming yeah. into schools knowing NIL exists and they'll do their entire college career under that framework. So I think if you know, whatever happens then i mean that's just going to be i think for the most part um, especially by the end of their college career the status quo or what what you can come to expect for the time to come i think uh you know cuz i think right now players are just kind of stick, sticking their toe in the water like hey is this real like, how far can we go with this but once you have basically five years of this being the norm you'll you'll, you'll have what you have
0: yeah i think i think 3 to 5 years is is probably right I, I i would lean closer to five i think it's going to take another recruiting cycle or two for things to kind of sh- to shake out and then we'll start seeing we'll probably see some smaller pro- when i say smaller program i don't mean some hundred person school south san diego state or san jose state something like that who are two two of my favorite schools to play with in, in the old NCAA games uh well, i don't think we'll see them i don't think we'll see them well Look up San Jose State's uniform. That's why I chose them. Uh, and San Diego State had a good roster back in the day. Uh, that's off completely off topic. Or uh, I don't think we're gonna see them like rise to the top when I say small school. But like there are the medium sized schools, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, those those top ranked G five schools. Uh, the lower the lower you the level. Liberty.
1: You said top ranked G five.
0: Right, Liberty's
1: not; they're nobody. Liberty beat that high school last
0: year. Uh, Liberty, Liberty. Uh, <laughs> we, I think we'll see cl- schools like at the bottom of the Pac-10, the bottom of the or Pac-12, bottom of the bottom of SEC. Like, like I don't want to say Vanderbilt; they're never going to be good. But schools like that, who are like there, that are that are going to be able to maybe get some uh, better recruits and compete with these people, but. It, I think I think five years is probably about right for me. That that feels right.
1: Yeah, I think I think by then you'll see it. So, and then we'll, it'll be funny, you know. Like like, say Vanderbilt may never be good but like Kentucky.
0: Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, it'll yeah. be interesting
1: to see what happens there. I mean, they're a basketball school, but
0: right, same Duke. I think Duke. Same. I think I think the team. I think the schools that have dominant programs in other sports that can recruit they're going to like bring eyeballs to that school and then they can work with those sponsors with other athletes. Right. So the Dukes, the Kentuckys, those, those big basketball schools, the Louisvilles uh, will be real interesting to see what the effect is on their football programs on top of their other sports. Like I don't, I don't follow, you know, women's lacrosse, but maybe there are dominant women's lacrosse teams who just aren't getting exposure at these schools. I know Duke's a big lacrosse school. Uh, so maybe even those kind of athletes are are also bringing in uh, advertising dollars, which is, I mean, it's it's great. I think it's it's a net benefit for everybody. It's not it's not just going to be the top one percent of athletes getting getting any kind of money.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think to some degree, everybody will have some benefit. I mean, again, I, I don't, like you said. Don't paint too rosy of a picture. There will be some adverse effect, but the net, I think, will be either unchanged or, or better than the current system.
0: Yeah, that's great. It'll be interesting to see. I got, uh, I think I still have three and a half years of eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe I can uh, go get some advertising dollars. <laughs> I'm trying to go
1: straight to the pros, but I keep getting undrafted every year. Every year, yeah.
0: Every year. Maybe next year. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Well, thanks for listening. If uh, you're interested in the NIL and video games, you definitely need to check out NCAA college football i think it's going to be 23 i think they're shooting for summer 23 i know i'm waiting for it tom's gonna come over here and we're gonna do a usf versus uf uh showdown maybe 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 liberty maybe liberty will be better by uh, than uf by then uh two years we'll see uh but we thanks thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you guys again on our next episode this is episode four so we've been doing this for two months now wow that's crazy uh, I'm at the rake, but the A is a four. Thomas is at Thomas Black underscore 86 on Twitter. Hit us up. Tell us what how we're wrong. I'm always wrong, uh, generally. That's what makes this podcast so fun. But we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. See you guys later. <laughs>